Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shana Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica, and we are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we're going to talk about birth, babies, breastfeeding, nursing practice, and more from our perspective as nurses in the hospital world. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a newly pregnant, first-time parent, or expecting your second baby and you want a better experience this time around, this podcast is for you. Join me and my co-host and special guests as we discuss birth from the womb to the room. Hey, everybody. We're the birth nurses, and we are usually going to be talking about just the normal Um, hospital life of labor and delivery and all that that entails, but we are interrupting our normal normal broadcast to just talk about the what's going on right now, which is coronavirus and a pandemic. Pregnancy, labor, (laughs) pandemic, COVID. You know, you know, normal stuff. Yeah, stuff, (laughs) everyday stuff. So we know this has been challenging. Yeah. Liz, what's it been like at the hospital for you? You know, um, in the beginning, I think that we all, of course, freaked out. As nurses, what do we do? How do we protect ourselves? What is the CDC and WHO recommendations? What is everybody else doing? So what we tried to do was sort of stay ahead of the curve and just try to figure out some guidelines. And as you know, in the beginning, there really weren't any. We were winging it, and our guidelines were changing every day. And, you know, Shane and I aren't really talking about the hospital that we work at, but we will say that most of the hospitals in Los Angeles and Santa Monica, we have policy and procedure and standard of care, and we all operate about the same way. So it's pretty safe to say in talking to friends in labor and delivery, um, I would call around and say, what are you doing in your unit? And everybody was just trying to figure it out. Yeah, we kind of had no clue what to do. And so we thought we'd make a really good decision, right? And then there was a lot of pushback. And then the CDC would make a recommendation. Then there was pushback. Then we kind of got into a, a rhythm. And then that changed. So what if, you know, what do you think? How do you think that was working out? Yeah. I remember in the very beginning Mm -hmm. that we were actually told not to wear masks. Do you remember that? And I, I think the main idea behind that was we didn't want to cause panic. We didn't want people to think like there are sick people on our unit. And then it, pretty quickly changed to wear a mask for every single patient, like the whole shift, you wear a mask. And whenever you're interacting with patients, you wear a mask. And then the PPE, like the personal protective equipment uh, escalated, I guess you could say from there, like then. Defcon (laughs) three. It was like from nothing to everything. And And then from going and wearing a paper mask to the laboring mother and partner wearing a paper mask also. We were also trying to figure out who's exposing who and who 
how are we not exposing each other as nurses in the nurses station where sometimes six, seven, eight, or 10 people are congregating trying to, you know, specifically function right. while we're charting? Is it trying to maintain some kind of social distancing um, was, has been very, very challenging. Absolutely. Yeah, it feels very, uh, very challenging and a little bit impossible to socially distance in the nurses station. But I remember when in the report room, we weren't, we were going in one at a time, basically trying to do our best to not crowd in one room. Yeah. Look at your assignment and bug out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Weird. Um, I remember the day too, I walked into work and they, and there were other nurses checking everybody's temperatures at the door and then passing out masks to everybody. And that was a, that was a pretty big change. It Mm -hmm. very much felt like, okay, this is real. We are in a pandemic. (laughs) It's weird to walk through the hospital and it's somewhat of a ghost town. Yeah. And then, then I, sometimes I notice people congregating and I never, I'm feeling very judgmental. I'm very judgy. <laughs> I'm taking my walk. I'm judgy about people not wearing masks or people walking together without masks. And I'm trying to, I'm trying not to be judgy, but it, it bugs me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, our own internal issues of having to escalate, you know, to get our own PPE and to make sure that we're being protected so that we can take care of patients. I mean, that's really what it's all about, right? Right. There's been a lot of advocation for nurses in the community, which I'm very proud of. Um, Just watching everybody say, okay, look, we really, really need to do this and take this seriously. And I think also in trying to, I think one of the first things that was really difficult for our community to accept was when we started having the patient's partner go home after delivery. Yeah. That really was tough. That was that was a gradual escalation too, because it started yeah. with we were allowing the dad and a doula if they had one. At first, we were saying that's okay. Um, then we said no, we have to get rid of the doulas; they can't come. And we were also limiting any extra visitors, family members um, visiting a new baby and the mom right after delivery. Yeah. So it went from doula's okay to doula's not okay, but still dad's okay. Then it went, and then from there it was dads are allowed to go to postpartum after the baby is born, and then shifted to dads are not allowed to go to postpartum. Yeah, the, that was really that was really the first time that I started looking at the blogs and the message boards and the Facebook posts about how horrible that you know how could the hospitals do this and right. this is gonna, you know it's going to completely collapse the foundation of the family because the parents can't be together overnight and I had a lot of really mixed feelings about that some are going to be unpopular, but you know me, (laughs) I'm going to blurt them out anyway. Um, First of all, I think what the community needed to understand was we were not only trying to minimize exposure patient and partner to nurse, but by not having the partners go over with mom and baby to postpartum, we were trying to limit exposure of another six nurses and lactation educators 
and charge nurses and dietary. So for me, limiting the amount of people that moved through our unit would decrease the actual overall numbers of people that we were exposing. So for me, it was just math. Right. And there were a few people who really just went ballistic. Patients collapsed and they were upset and fearful and angry. But I have to say, most of my patients in that first week, 10 days where we get it, we understand it's a drag, but let's move forward. I think parts of the community set it up that this was going to be a disaster. Mm. And I always kind of try to put a, you know, a positive spin on like, look, you're going to go home. You're going to get a great night's sleep. You're not going to be trashed being up every two hours this first night. You're going to get the house ready and maybe cook a meal and get a shower and sleep. And you will be ready to receive your family tomorrow. I've been off for a week and a half. Are people still going home after 24 hours? seems like we're Yeah, they're being really quick about the turnaround. So if everything is all good with mom and baby, Mm -hmm. they're being discharged at like around the 24-hour mark postpartum. Yeah. It's never really 24 hours. I mean, it takes several hours to discharge. So let's say if you, you know, deliver on one day, you're probably not going home till much after noon the next. Exactly. Yeah. So. Get 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I just am going to be curious to kind of see the fallout of that. Are we going to have um, any bounce backs from, because, you know, two days is really important to allow mom and baby to establish good latch, suck and swallow, to be able to look at jaundice. But I'm sure these babies are followed up and the most important thing is get in and get out right now. That's the most yeah. important thing. It's limited got it. Exposure. Yeah. Limited exposure. But I think that's what makes um, the postpartum education portion really important. So for the postpartum yeah. nurses, but even for the patient herself to be preparing ahead of time and know the warning signs to call the obstetrician or call her obstetrician or midwife, just to be sure that no complications happen in that first week, first two weeks, especially postpartum. Uh, There are some, some like it's not hard enough. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, But just to be aware of and, and make sure that you're um, taking control and, and being aware of your own health. And Absolutely. it's it's hard that the dad can't be there for that education portion, but I think most postpartum units do a really good job of handing out paper, like yeah. pamphlets with lots of discharge yeah. instructions. Postpartum nurses are, you know, overall really, really good at helping with latch and showing moms how to hand express breast milk. These are all really fundamentally important things, but we really recommend early education. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why certain obstetricians are still telling their patients to take a breastfeeding class after you have a baby and that always cracks me up because I think I didn't take a shower for four days after I got it. <laughs> right? Like how are you saying, yeah. how one infant can take down four adults? And so... <laughs> Just, you know, so early education, go out there and find those lactation educators and consultants who will do a FaceTime meeting, a Zoom meeting, uh, you know, one-on-one 
over the internet. It can be done. I'm doing birth education classes now. I know you are too, Shana, and it was fun. And my first two classes were fun. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I had to remind somebody, you know, remember all of us can see you, so. Right. Excuse your So um, I think that we're trying really hard to get comfortable with our new normal. Whatever this new dynamic is, we have to figure out a way to be, I'm trying to do more teaching during labor. Yeah. Like, okay, let's find times where there's calm. If a mom has an epidural, then of course it's much easier for me to do some teaching. Let's talk about hand expression and what that's going to be like and some people that you can call and how to get help and let's talk to your pediatrician so that's a good time to kind of start in labor and delivery because the nurses on postpartum are a little bit more taxed now, aren't they? Because there's uh, there's not that partner to help. Yeah. I want to bring back a little bit to um, kind of your practice now about mm. going into your patient's room. <laughs> and uh, you could tell this story, but okay. like... Well, it occurred to me after several days <laughs> that there were shifts where I literally did not... My patient did not see my face. Right. Because <laughs> you're wearing a mask. Yeah, I'm wearing a mask. And I just sort of kind of got into the group of wearing the mask. And I was like, you know, I adapted fairly well to it because I'm wearing it, you know, taking a walk, going on the roof, going to, you know, do my lunch. I mean, it's just part of me now. <laughs> and so I decided that when I would walk in the door in the morning, I would just pull my mask down and say, hi, I just wanted you to see my face and see who I am. And now you have a, you know, a visual of who I am. And, you know, I'd say they would do the same. And it kind of made me feel a little bit less like there was a barrier literally and figuratively between us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, after you told me about that, I did that with... Like I can tell someone smiling when I'm taking my walk. Uh-huh. Pardon, say that again? Well, after you told me about that, I did that with my patients. And uh-huh. was, wow, that was really nice because I don't know what it <laughs> looks like around here. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, in trying to just find some little ray of like, I don't want to say, I know, I dare say levity or at the very least, um, you know, humor but I think we forget that people are feeling so isolated and these moms and dads and partners are away from their families and they're not going to have their sisters and brothers by when they're in labor and their parents aren't coming by and it's much quieter on the unit. So there's the pros and cons of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a, what, am I, am I dipping a toe into something politically incorrect? <laughs> I don't see the keyword. <laughs> I don't have too many people telling me how to do my job <laughs> and, uh, and asking me to justify my decisions. Um, it's nice to just relate to my patient and a partner if there is one, right? Which there is most of the time. Yeah. Um, that's good. But we're fielding, you know, it's interesting to me when you walk into your patient's room under normal circumstances. So there's going to be pre-COVID-19 and post-COVID-19 at some point, although I'm sure it's all going to be t- much longer than we think. Mm. And you have to field questions sometimes from four or five people in the room, right? Yeah. In the last few so weeks. Overwhelming. I, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, 
my dad's an obstetrician and I want to just go out and shoot myself. And then, <laughs> and, um, so it's kind of nice. It's like, I'm just having conversations and teaching with my with patients. And I feel like my quality time with less people in the room sometimes is better. I did have a patient right before I went on my little, you know, time off. I did not have COVID. I had already uh, planned this out before this happened. Um, I uh, had a patient with a virtual doula, which I loved. Ooh, she was great. About that. Yeah, it was nice. She was on her laptop and they were talking about relaxation. She was kind of deep breathing with her and she had this kind of soft voice in the background and they had their automizer. It was smelled like lavender in the room. It was, you know, it was really calm and they were in their groove on their computer and I really liked that. That's I thought nice. that was great. Yeah, these doulas are trying really hard to be present yeah. and uh, I'm fully supportive of virtual doula-ing. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I have, so I have a different perspective, a different uh, side of the spectrum, I guess you can say. So I have a friend who was planning to give birth in like a birth center attached to a hospital, uh -huh. midwife, and then the birth center closed because of all this. And also like she found out that her doula wouldn't be there, all that stuff. So oh, she yeah. changed her whole plan. She decided to have a home birth and she absolutely loved it. She had a great experience. And um, I just thought that was, that was a different way to go too, instead of. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's amazing. I'm yeah. amazing also that she could make that switch basically on a dime, right? Because. You know, when you're thinking about doing that, you're kind of thinking about it and ruminating about it and then kind of exploring it and kind of moving over to it. I'll, I'll you know, every now and then I'll have a client who took my class and I'm, I know the OB and I've decided to, but they've been thinking about it, right? Mm -hmm. In this pandemic, people are making decisions and yeah. 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 yeah, I know there's more, there's more home birth going on for sure. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, it's an interesting thing you're still exposed to a home birth midwife and there's almost always a second midwife or an assistant. Right. You still have exposure, but I think the idea of just, um, being in your own home, being in your own house, in your yeah. own bed, in your own bathtub, I, I can understand it. I mean, I know, I think we're doing a really, really good job inside the hospital of, yes. you know, maintaining boundaries and, um, I can't hug my patient after a delivery. I really That's like that. And I haven't been getting close enough to take pictures, but while I'm, you know, in there for the second stage, and when I say in there, I mean literally and figuratively. Nope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we're close, but I'm wearing a face shield. Right. And yeah. an N95, yeah. and I have double gloves on, and I'm being really, really careful to try to maintain as much distance as I can. And, I think all, and I'm sure the home birth midwives are doing the same. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of protection, protective lots gear. Protection. We've changed. Yeah. We've changed other practices too. We used to let patients walk around the hallways. Oh, no, right? Don't let them walk around the hallways. Um, they have biggish rooms. Yeah. Yeah. They have big enough rooms. I think well, they do. You know, it's pretty nice to have, you know, to have that you know, ability. We recommend at any hospital that you're delivering at, if you can ask for the telemetry unit, the wireless, so that at least you can get away from the bed and move around and yeah. 
get the rough shower. Yeah, even even of course in regular practice, more time out of bed, better mm-hmm. you can. But yeah, I think I think we're doing a pretty okay job. You know, again, I'm going back to work tomorrow for the first time in about 13 days, and I've just recently found out we're testing. Oh yeah, yeah, we're testing every laboring mom being admitted to the unit. We now, need a doctor's order. Yeah. And it's a, a nasal swab. It's a right. rapid test. Mm-hmm. So there is more um, probability, I guess, or risk for a false negative. Correct. But it would definitely be positive if the patient is showing signs and symptoms. So I guess I'll uh, read up on that on my email and then uh, start tomorrow. And are these patients that we're intaking, these are rule out labors and not like rule out hypertension or rule out. It's anyone who is fully admitted by their provider. So Ah, so if we're having a triage last three hours, then we're not doing that. If they get admitted, not for triage. So, um, I'm pretty sure not for triage. Yeah, so the doctor has to give an order, and um, it's usually for the induction patients or for a labor patient. Okay. Yeah. thought about it. What about moms coming in for an elective or non-elective C-section? Yes. She's admitted, and she's not in labor, but she's going to have surgery, a surgical birth, so, and be staying for three days. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for the heads up. Yeah, and they won't, they won't allow them to be transferred to postpartum until the result is back. Right, and I think we decided on our unit, I'm looking at the CDC WHO recommendations right now. This last update was April the 4th, 2020, and considerations for inpatient obstetric healthcare settings. And I looked through it and read through it several times, but we as a unit in our hospital decided if we did um, have COVID patient, we have a COVID patient, we would labor them, deliver them, recover them and send them home all from labor and delivery. All from Because then again, there's no reason to go and send this person to postpartum when you're just exposing another group. Exactly. Yeah. There was even, um, in the beginning, some discrepancy between CDC and WHO about what would happen with the baby born right. to a COVID positive mom. Great um, to bring the time to talk about that. Let's yeah. talk about COVID positive mom. Yeah, one one organization was saying the baby should be separated from the mom. Right. Um, and then the other organization was saying the baby could stay with the mom. Now both are in agreement that baby should stay with mom and mm-hmm. that breastfeeding should be facilitated, but the mom should practice uh, respiratory hygiene. So wearing a mask and right. uh, coughing or sneezing into her elbow and um, washing hands before and after breastfeeding. And Absolutely. then baby being like six feet away when not breastfeeding. Right. So here it is in the uh, using engineering controls, like physical barriers. Um, One of them suggested a curtain. I can see that never happening. Uh, Keeping the newborn six feet away, um, putting on a face, 
hand hygiene. These are, I think, fair. You're going to go home with this baby. Yes. yes. Us separating mother and baby in our unit for Mm -hmm. 24 hours. And then we send them all home together in the car together. Right. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I'm sure they're going to wear a mask and sure mothers are not going to kiss, try to kiss their baby's face. I mean, so hard. I mean, could you keep your mouth off your infants? I couldn't. Oh, that would be so hard. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I was eating him up. I mean, there was, I can't even imagine it. Yeah. I cannot even imagine it. Yeah. Another yeah. consideration for a mom who's COVID positive and too unwell to yeah. directly breastfeeding. Um, it is still encouraged to express breast milk by either Absolutely. hand massage or a pump Absolutely. and give that breast milk to baby because breast milk is still the best line of defense against uh, sickness, illness for your baby. It's full of immunity products and it's still yeah. encouraged. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And I think that this, again... Part of it is backlash, right? Yeah. I mean, the the uh, laboring people of uh, this country had something to say about that immediately. Mm-hmm. Part of it is just good old common sense. And part of it is a learning curve. And I think that we're going to scratch our heads on so many different aspects of how we treated this disease, this virus that... Um, we have to go through it to figure it out on the other end. Yeah. So we touched on a lot of really good topics today. I think that sort of in summary that parents out there need to remember that labor and delivery nurses and our administration are trying really hard to get it right. Mm-hmm. We're trying to go by the CDC and WHO recommendations. And we know those change all the time and they will continue to change. Um, we may be doing testing right now, but it may turn out to be that we'll stop doing testing just like another major teaching institution in Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. things will change. And some of the most important things we talk about is good hand hygiene, wearing masks. We're trying to distance from you and each other in the nurses station and on our unit. Um, we're having mothers and babies be together and breastfeed with proper PPE and hand washing and partners can go to postpartum on most hospitals in Los Angeles again, I believe. And it's an ever evolving scenario and we wish everybody good luck and stay healthy and stay safe and we'll get through it. Yes, we will. Yeah. Groovy. All right. Hi, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.